Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Please accept my sincerest apologies. Uh, haven't been cranking out uh, the amount of podcasts that I would like uh, to do, but we're going to change that uh, this week. Uh, still recovering a little bit from the Rona. Had to do the isolation, the fam, uh, my wife, the baby, the dog. Wasn't at home for a while. So just trying to get back in a routine, spend some time uh, with the family while also running the site uh, and everything. But this week, Super Bowl week, I guarantee you we're going to try to get out three shows this week. I'm going to try to get out three shows. They may be shorter uh, shows, but I'm going to try to get out three shows this week. Definitely two. But we're starting with something big. This week, I got an interview with Shaq. Yes, yeah, Shaq Diesel, Shaq Fu, uh, talking about he's doing a big uh, Shaq Bowl, uh, a pre, uh, pre-game show uh, for the Super Bowl. Um, and we talked about some other things as far as the, the NBA and, and wrestling and, and all of this other stuff. So we got this Shaq uh, interview for you. I'm going to just put it on up for you, let you hear what he had to say. You guys can tell me what you're thinking and we'll get into Super Bowl predictions and everything else that's going on in the world of sports, uh, entertainment, and viral news. First thing I ask Shaq is, tell us a little bit about this Shaq Bowl. What can we expect? The Shaq Bowl is the ultimate Super Bowl kickoff show. It's going to be happening live right before the game, Sunday, February 7th from 3 to 6. Great to have Macari as the presenting partner, along with Papa John's, Pepsi, and I don't want to forget about the Corona. Uh, it's, you know, all the Super Bowl pregame stuff has been boring, so we're going to change it up. Uh, everyone's going to be at home this year, so I said, let's do something fun and entertaining for the people. I recruited a crazy lineup with a bunch of my close friends. It's going to feature athletes, celebrities, superstars across two teams competing in fun and viral challenges to win the first ever Shaq Bowl trophy. Plus, I got my girlfriend, Terrell. I wanted to chat. Ocho Cinco Johnson hosted with me. I'm currently building a Shaq Bowl stadium 10 minutes from the Super Bowl. Everything's going to be happening live, all the celebrities and the music performers next Sunday. Very strict COVID testing and procedures. I want to go on the record and saying that we will not have a live audience, but millions of people can watch on uh, Facebook or at shackbowl.com and all my social channels. Uh, celebrities participating, Team Kansas City, you got Diplo, Ezekiel Elliott, Olivia Culpo, Quavo, Steve-O, and The Miz. And from Team Tampa Bay, you got Anthony Anderson, Drew McIntyre, Nelly, Offset, Tim Tebow, and the gorgeous Winnie Harlow. So I have an NBA question uh, for you, Shaq. LeBron James, 17 years in, people are waiting for father time uh, to kick in, but it doesn't seem that's going to happen, especially now. He's with the Lakers and he has Anthony Davis and everything. What you know, what do you think about his his start to the season and just you know his longevity of greatness? 
He's never he's never been the one to take it easy. He's on. A, I think personally, he's on a couple more missions. One to win a couple more championships. But I, I think he's going to score a title. Be the number one scorer. In the NBA. That's what I think personally. I haven't talked to him about that. I don't know if that's the case. But if I was him and still playing the way I'm playing, and was in as great a shape as he is, I would definitely be trying to get more championships. And I would be going after that number one scoring title. So. He's a guy that he's not going to stop until he get all his goals accomplished. I heard, Shaq, you may be uh, getting in the wrestling ring soon. What's that all about? Uh, there's this guy from AEW that's been talking noise. guy by the name of Cody Rhodes. So he has one more thing to say to me before I jump in the ring and beat him up. So, Cody, if you listen to this, keep your mouth shut or else. So we know, Shaq, that uh, Tom Brady has a G14 classification. You know, you got to have multiple rings for that. You know, what do you think about Brady and what he's done going to his 10th Super Bowl? And what's your prediction for the game? I love his story. I saw his, his uh, workout tape for the first time. And it's just a true testament of hard work. You don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to throw the furthest. You don't have to jump the highest. You just got to continue to work hard and continue to believe in yourself. So a lot of kids who think they don't have talent should watch the Tom Brady workout tape and watch his career and he'll show you how to work hard. We'd love to see him win. Love to see Leno Fournette win, personal friend of mine. Love to see uh, Gronk, another personal friend of mine. However, I love storylines. Old King versus the, the New Prince. New Prince, you know, won a couple of battles last year, won the big battle last year. But, and, but hey, Tom's still on top. So if I know Patrick Mahomes, I know Kansas City, everybody's thinking Tampa gonna win, they're gonna come out. Score's gonna be 49-42. A last second touchdown's gonna win the game. Because, because this game, you can't let nobody get two or three touchdowns ahead. It'd be hard to catch up. So I think, I think, I, I think, well, I would like to see it go back and forth. You score, they score, you score, they score. And then like with a minute 30 left, last play. And somebody just throws it, Hail Mary catches it. That'd be great. Because you know what? The country needs that. The country needs a nice game where everybody's sitting down watching. The country needs a great entertainment before the game. That's why I'm giving the track bowl. But you know, for them to be neck and neck and then somebody wins at the last, man, wow, that'd be great. I think you got this question uh, before, Shaq, but if you had to equate a NBA player to Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, uh, which NBA players would that be? Uh, Mahomes is Steph Curry because you've never seen nothing like that before or in a long time. And Tom Brady would be LeBron right now because mm -hmm. they have similar stories. You do so much for a franchise, the franchise thinks you're done. They get rid of you. You go to another franchise, you step up and you win. I just like the fact that Tom was good enough to get on the phone and be like, Grunt. I know you said you retired, but I need you for 12 games. So, Bron came out. He's had a fabulous season. Obviously, this is a little bit of a hot uh, button topic that you've talked about on Inside the NBA and on your Instagram page is what makes a young player a superstar? What makes a young player have what it takes uh, to get rings, to go to the next level? Uh, you know, what may be the difference between uh, Luka Doncic and a... Uh, Donovan uh, Mitchell. So just just, just let us know because uh, we've heard you talk about Luca having the total package. Uh, what makes him you know different, and what are the qualities that you're looking for 
that means that a young NBA player has what it takes to lead his team to championships? I love watching him play because he's the true definition of a great player. True definition of a great player ain't always about stats and what you can do. It's about getting other guys involved. He's a great passer, a great showman for the game. I have nothing negative to say about Malu. He's still young, so he still has the, the, the time and ability. But if you put two more superstars with him, he definitely win. But, you know, Mark has a lot of work to do. We've probably got to, you know, in the summertime, look for some of these disgruntled superstars. And Mark, because uh, Luke definitely can do it by himself. Nobody could ever do it by himself. You need somebody out there with So you can check out the Shack Bowl. It's airing live from Tampa on Sunday, February 7th from a brand new custom-built studio. So they're going to have a bunch of people in there, but Shaq says there's strict uh, coronavirus uh, rules in place. Everybody's going to get tested, so it's going to be safe and sound. It's live. It's a three-hour special starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can watch it on Facebook at Shaq. Uh, you can watch it online, shackbowl.com. And it's simulcasted on 20 other platforms. So basically, if you have the internet, uh, you'll be able to watch uh, the Shaq uh, Bowl if you figure that it'd be a little bit better than watching. Um, who has the uh, Super CBS, the, the CBS pregame or ESPN? The NFL Network's always good. So, you know, I, that's, that's what I normally watch. But if you want to watch something a little bit different, uh, be sure uh, to check out the Shack Bowl. So let's talk a little bit uh, about the game that's coming up uh, this Sunday. You got Kansas City, uh, you got Tampa Bay, you got Brady, you got Mahomes. Uh, but with a lot of these these type of games, it really comes more down to the defense. I actually like to go back in time uh, to last year's Super Bowl. Uh, for three quarters, uh, the 49ers defense played you know lights out you know Magabosa man he he was he was playing hard to get that trip uh to the White House and if it wasn't for some questionable uh non-holding calls and Jimmy G missing you know a wide open guy uh Manuel Sanders you know maybe this narrative would have been different uh, because when you go up against really good offenses in the Super Bowl the thing that helps teams in this case, Tampa Bay, is that you got two weeks to prepare. I mean, you, you don't have, you have to understand how normal NFL week, you know, goes. Is that you, you say you play on Sunday, right? You've been concentrating on this team on Sunday. Monday, your, your, your team is, is hurt and, and trying to recover. And Tuesday, they get back to practice. And this time you're cramming for the next team. And then Wednesday, you get in, you try to put all of this stuff, this implementation in. But you only put in so much because the brain can only take, you know, so much information and stuff. And, and then you're right back at it uh, on Sunday. You still may be a little hurt from the last Sunday and all of this stuff. Well, the Super Bowl is different. You know, you, you win your game on Sunday. And now you got two full weeks. You can, everybody can, can you know, know, at this point of the season, everybody's a little hurt. But, you know, you're about as healthy as you're going to be, you know, after two weeks. So you basically get a bye. And maybe more importantly, your coaches can really dig into, you know, what needs to be done. And maybe you can implement a, a few more things because you have more time. In this case, in this particular Super Bowl, it may be even more beneficial 
uh, for the Bucks and the Chiefs in the sense that they don't have to do any of they don't have to do any of the traveling. Well, the Bucks don't have to do any traveling, uh, but you know the Chiefs don't have to come. They don't have to stay in a hotel for a week or anything like that. They're treating it just like a regular, basically like a road game. Um, and they get to stay in their own homes. They get to relax. They get the same personal trainers. You don't have to worry about the tickets. You don't have to worry about the, you know, the, the making appearances for Nike and all of this stuff. You just really just get the focus on the game. And you, know, you got Ty Bowles and you got uh, Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. You know, so it's it's, it's I think it's going to make for actually a better uh, you know game. You know, nobody's going to get caught with a hooker. <laughs> Uh, you know, during the week, yes, that did happen. Uh, once go look it up, nobody's gonna disappear. Uh, during the night before the Super Bowl, that's happened as well. Uh, you know, nobody's gonna call the strip club or anything like that. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, it just I think you the, the Chiefs are beatable. Um, the facts are is that you you're not going to stop them from scoring you know this is not going to be where all of a sudden they can only score three points you know you're going to have to outscore them the point is keeping the score somewhat down you know keeping it uh keeping ahead of them you know you know making forcing them out of their comfort zone and the problem is yeah people get up on the Chiefs all the time 10 nothing 14 nothing 24 nothing but it's always early you know, it gives them a lot of time. And when you have an explosive offense, it's not a big deal. When you are the Bucks, you got to stay ahead of them. Even if it's just seven or three or ten. It has to be a constant. It has to be a constant so you can get into the fourth quarter. And once you get into the fourth quarter, it's, it's literally very similar to uh, what happened last year with the 49ers. It's, it's how much... How much, you know, does your defense have left? Can you make a couple of big offensive plays here and there uh, to, to to switch the tide, you know, of the game? So it's, it's an interesting matchup. I mean, they matched up earlier in the year, and it's a, that was an interesting game. If you go check it out, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill and, and, and Patrick Mahomes went crazy in the first half, and the Chiefs were up. And they kind of coasted, uh, you know, to the rest of the game. But, you know, they I don't know how you want to look at that. It's like they never felt like in danger, but it got the score got a lot closer than what it was before. Um, I have faith in Todd Bowles, but I also like Eric Bieniemy and, and Bruce Arias and some good coaches all the way around. But, you know, you got to make a prediction. And, you know, I'm going to, I don't know, you know, it's hard to, you know, to, to bet against Brady. But, you know, honestly, he, he he plays well in spurts, but he also gives you a few that you can intercept. I mean, that should have been a blowout with the Packers, and they had opportunities, basically because Brady was throwing some YOLO INTs. Uh, but what you can guarantee is that Tom Brady's never been in the blowout Super Bowl. Um, I believe the, the biggest margin of victory has been 10 points. I think almost every... Um, Every Super Bowl these minutes come down to the fourth quarter, the last either the last drive or the last two drives, whatever. You know, so he it's almost guaranteed that he's gonna be in a good game. It's just a matter of, you know, can the Bucks slow the Chiefs down just enough because the Bucks have their own explosive offense. And they're kind of making it to a mini shootout 
and see who comes out on top. But, you know, I got to make a prediction. It's guaranteed to go wrong. I wouldn't bet any money off of what I'm saying. But, I don't know. Sometimes I just got to go with a feeling. I'm going to go Bucks 38, Chiefs 33. That's the pick. Just a couple of quick thoughts on the uh, Matthew Stafford uh, trade. Uh, the the Rams gave up uh, two number one picks, two, two yeah two number one picks, uh, a third round pick in Jared Goff. Uh, it was clear uh, that they were not happy with Jared Goff and wanted to get rid of him, and that's what they did with Matthew Stafford. Now I'm hearing in the streets, in NFL social media that you know the, the Rams. Got fleeced. The Lions got the better of the deal. And, you know, I have to... I'm not disagreeing with it per se. Uh, but I, I, I'm one of those type of guys that... Especially when you're dealing with draft picks. Like, you can't really say who won or lost the trade if till you see who they drafted. You know what I mean? If you gave them two first-round draft picks and they both end up being bust and Matthew Stafford leads the Rams to the Super Bowl... Then, then, yeah, then, then the Rams won the trade. doesn't matter. And as I pointed out um, on Twitter, is the Rams haven't had a first-round pick since Sean McVay uh, has been the coach, right? But in those four years that Sean McVay has been the coach, uh, the team is 43-21. and 21. Um, That's a winning percentage of 67%. They've been to the playoffs, uh, if I'm not mistaken, three uh, out of the four years and went to the Super Bowl once. So it, you have to like look at that in a vacuum. It's like, you know, something that's not that's not something that uh, seems to deter them from winning. There's a lot of teams that have high first round picks, multiple first round picks. And they're terrible, <laughs> you know. Like uh, the the for instance, the Raiders have had multiple uh, first round picks and have sniffed uh, the playoffs. So I, I think the picks are overrated if you believe uh, that you're one piece away from winning the Super Bowl. Now they went to the Super Bowl uh, with Jared Goff. Uh, since McVay and Goff have been together, forty three wins in four years. I mean, so they're averaging over over almost 11 wins a season. This is with Jared Goff. So what they're saying is, is we don't even think Jared Goff is that great, but we've been in the Super Bowl. We've been to the playoffs three out of four years. We're winning record every year. We're averaging around 11 wins a year. If we bring in a quarterback that's just marginally better than Jared Goff, then, you know, we're probably winning the Super Bowl. The question, Ben, you know, the Super Bowl that they won against the Patriots, golf did not play well. That was a game that was there for the winning. Defense played out of their mind. If if you plug in Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff in that position, do you believe they win that Super Bowl? Obviously, the Rams do. So, we will see. Like, it's not, it's not you know, we have to write the story winners and losers and this is, he got fleeced, and this is terrible, and blah, blah, blah. He's why You don't know until they get out there and play. If next year the Rams go 14-2, and two, win the Super Bowl, who freaking cares about those number one picks? Now, if they crash and burn, and Stafford's terrible, and they 8-8, eight and eight, then it's going to look bad. I mean, he's not old, 
but he's not young. But you know, he, he's he's pretty durable. Uh, it doesn't seem like physically, it doesn't seem like anything's arm or anything. Something wrong with him. So he probably still has another. You know, I think his contract has two, three years on it. I think that's fair to to see what he has left. So there's no winners and losers at the moment. And this is the Lions that we're talking about. So, you know, in the so if you say the trade because of the way the first round picks is like a a four year trade or whatever, or a three year trade. Let's see what the records are. You know, let's see after the Lions. Let's see what the records are in the next you know five years. You know, give the first round picks some time to mature. And you know, it's the Lions. Do you have faith? Yeah, I don't. Uh, but speaking of quarterbacks. Uh, Deshaun Watson. So everybody saw this and said, where's Deshaun Watson going to go? Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> where's Deshaun Watson going to go? Uh, probably nowhere. Now, unless, I mean, like, I, I was telling my wife this. I'm like, you know, maybe the Jets, because if you really think that Justin Fields or the guy from BYU, the guy from North Dakota State or where, if you think one of these college quarterbacks can be equivalent to Deshaun Watson, and you gotta be sure about that. You gotta be like you're at least equal. Say so if I'm, or you know, if I get Justin Fields, he has, you know, he's other gotta be equal to Deshaun Watson, and you get him on a cheaper contract, and you can get three, four first round picks. Yeah, then you do it. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to trade Deshaun Watson to say like the 49ers, for example. And that that first round picks a little farther back. You take a little bit more of a risk um, as far as you know your future quarterback and everything. You don't want to do that. You know you you know you you don't you don't want to do that. You know the team the other teams that would be interested in Deshaun Watson those picks are farther back. They're not number two. The only only picks that that you know the the what is it, the the um, the Dolphins are like number five, but they don't really like Tua. So you have to be sure. At two, you know, you know, the Jags are taking Trevor Lawrence. You know that, right? So you have your pick or whoever, whatever you want to do. Optimally, it would have been better for the Jets to have the number one pick. Then you could have traded Deshaun Watson, assuming that you think Sunshine is great. Uh, you tell you, but then maybe the Jets are like, why are we trading all of our picks when we think Trevor Lawrence could be at least equal to Deshaun Watson? He has no leverage, so he can he can take them all out of. He could take you know the Texas out of social media, you know, like he there at IG, you know IG model we broke up with and all of that stuff. But he has no leverage. He's under contract. He's not going to retire if he sits out. He's going to lose millions of dollars. Like and like I was telling people, like it's different in the NBA. He can't really pull a James Harden. He's fifty three grown men in the locker room. So if he's if they know. If he's intentionally throwing interceptions or something like that, they probably break his neck. Or his offense. Yeah, football's a, 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 a dangerous sport. If the team felt that he was tanking, you know, then all, you know, offensive line, you know, don't maybe don't don't block well. So you know, you got you got to take that into consideration. So it's not a James Harden NBA type of situation. Has no leverage uh, at all. So, uh, in the end, I think he, unless the Jets, just the Jets, give him a mother load offer and they really believe Justin Fields or somebody else is, is that good at number two, um, Deshaun Watson will be on the Houston Texans uh, next season. What in the blue hell? I thought the 
Chad Wheeler situation was interesting. Uh, BSO is the first national uh, site uh, to report on that domestic uh, violence uh, incident. And it was weird because it happened on Saturday and I didn't see it till Tuesday. But a little backstory, if you if you haven't heard, uh, Wheeler's an offensive lineman, used to play with the Seahawks, played with the Giants for a little bit, uh, was caught choking out his uh, girlfriend to the point that he thought she was dead, um, broke her arm. It's pretty nasty stuff. Ends up getting bail, was out of jail by the time the story actually kind of hit the mainstream. And it, it, it caused a bit of a, discussion about how domestic violence and just, you know, uh, criminal activities in general uh, are covered in regards to white and black uh, athletes. And it really did have a, uh, that day kind of was a big thing. After that day, nobody really talked about it at all. Uh, ESPN and others very carefully discussed it which was odd, even though Wheeler himself kind of admitted uh, to doing it. But that's, that's, that's not surprising because it's a societal thing in the sense that black people are criminalized even when they don't commit crimes. So when a crime actually occurs, like the stereotype actually kicks in. White people, even though they commit crimes just at the same rate as anybody else, and a lot of times they commit the more serious crimes. Like you really rarely see like a black serial killer or like a black bomber or, or a school shooter or stuff like that. But when white people commit crimes because it goes against the stereotype, they try to make excuses for it. In Willard's case, it's a mental health um, excuse. Uh, bipolar, didn't take his medicine and all of that stuff. And, and you saw it with the Seahawks uh, statement right at the end where they said, ah, you know, if you got mental health issues, um, go get it checked out. The thing about it is this, is that a lot of people have mental health issues. A lot of people are bipolar. A lot of people have stuff that's going on with them. Um, not a lot of people, you know, try to choke their significant others to death. It's not an excuse. You know, violence is not an excuse. You can't, you can't use mental health as, a, as an excuse for violence. Then anybody would be like, oh, I shot him, you know, but I forgot to take my meds. And that is we running free on the street. It's like this. It's like, you know, if if there's no excuse, like if black people say, you know something, uh, I'm a product of my environment. I saw a lot of violence. I saw a lot of this, a lot of drug dealing and all this stuff. And so this is what I was born into. So I, you should take some leniency on me. It's, you know, people say, oh, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. A valid or not, people say it's an excuse. And you don't get any, if you go to the judge and say, yeah, you know, I, I beat up my girlfriend, but my daddy left me when I was two and my brother's in jail for drug dealing and my mom had to work nine jobs. They don't care. He's still going to jail. Now, Willa, in my opinion, is, is angling for some sort of probation um, based off of this. We have to see what happens. But it's, it's not, that's not unusual for the media to kind of just overlook that. 
And the only reason they started talking about it is because myself and others uh, put it out there. <laughs> so it was going to look real funny in the light. And they didn't talk about it on their shows, but they didn't really want to talk about it. <laughs> and one of the reasons, we have to be fair, too. You know, it's not just white and black. It's who knows Chad Wheat. <laughs> like, if you'd actually be a steadfast football fan that is not a Seahawks fan like do you know who Chad Wheeler is and they might have guessed any sport now if that was Travis Kelsey maybe it's different probably different let's be honest <laughs> you know if it was uh, you know Tom Brady obviously if it was Brady if it was someone of higher note it would have got more attention probably the same you know if not different than some low level you know black player but you still see the subtleties of the coverage. Yeah, that's just my job to point out the subtleties uh, of the coverage. So you, you've seen it. And, you know, now it's, it's gone away. Like, it's just the way society is right now. We are very much into everybody's upset for the one day, and then the next day everybody moves on. Like, I'm upset. I'm really mad. I'm mad. I'm so mad. And then the next day it's like, eh. Nobody really cares. So, you know, if you Chad Wheeler, you just try to lay low and, and 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 let it blow away. I wouldn't be shocked if he got another chance. If he got probation and said he was going to the doctor and all of this stuff. I mean, Richie Incognito threatened to shoot, you know, people at a funeral home and cut off people's heads. And I think he, he made it to the Pro Bowl. The Injustice League. You ever watched the movie? Trading Places, 1985, I think. Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, um, the lady from the Halloween movies. It escapes my mind right now. So it's actually, it's a, it's a movie really about race and how people see the world and products of your environment. It's really good stuff, but uh, at the end, it's about stocks and trading. And the stock market and, and the corner in the market and all of that stuff. And not to go all through the intricacies of the movie. But essentially what happens is at the end, uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd um, is going up against the old racist white people. And the racist white owners of the, the commodities company or whatever, the trading company, think they got some insider information. But the information is wrong. And actually, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd have the inside information. So they go to the New York Stock Exchange, and it's about concentrated orange juice and all of this stuff. And the, the very, very basic uh, way of, of explaining this is that the old racist white men with the fake inside information wants their guy to buy as much um, OJ shares as possible when trading starts. The reason why is because their information tells them that it's going to be a, a shortage of orange juice or whatever, oranges, and the price is going to keep going high, higher and higher. So when they sell their shares at the lower price, for the higher price, they're going to make a big profit. Real simple math. If you buy at 50 and you buy at 60 and you buy at 70 and you buy at 80 and you buy at 100, all because you think that, you know, it's going to go higher. When the report comes out, next thing you know, the shares are 150, 200, whatever it may be. 
then all of a sudden you've bought all these shares at 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 100 bucks. But when you sell them, you're selling them at $200, $150, whatever it may be. You're doubling your profit. You know math. This is what we're talking about. Unfortunately for the Dukes, <laughs> the racist white guys, uh, it's the opposite is true because they had a fake report. And Eddie Murphy and, uh, and Dan Aykroyd, Valentine and uh, Lewis Winthorpe, they got the right one. The right one tells them that everything is good with the oranges. Right. So what's really going to happen is they're going to sell their oranges uh, in reverse. Right. You follow me here. Right? I know it's a lot of math. So they're going to sell theirs in reverse, meaning that they're going to wait until the Dukes drive up the price. Let's say to one hundred dollars for math issues. And then they're going to say, hey, we're going to sell our oranges uh, at one hundred bucks. Right. All these people buy it. Buy, 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 buy at a hundred, hundred and twenty. You drive it as hundred or whatever. You drive hundred bucks, hundred bucks. So they they got all of these oranges that they have to sell at a hundred bucks. Now if the price goes higher, then it's a good deal for the people that bought it because they bought it at a hundred and say the price ends at one fifty. Then you know when Thorpe and Valentine lose money, alas, they have the crop report, the real one. And comes to find out nothing wrong with the oranges. So, so now it's a surplus. So now everybody is trying to sell because now there's a surplus. So when you selling and selling and selling, instead of buying and buying and buying, price goes down. Now the price is going down. 75, 60. Once it gets down to 40, Lewis and Winthorpe, uh up and Valentine say we buy them at 40. And now some people try to get rid of it because they, they bought it at a high, they gotta get rid of it. Sell, 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 sell. They buying them off. So once again, simple math. If I promise to sell you and you promise, you know, to buy at uh at a hundred dollars, and I bought all, you know, you know, I bought all of mine though at 40, but you gotta pay me a hundred. Now I'm getting paid 60 on each one. Now you can make a lot of money like that. But on the flip side, if I bought all of mine at 150 and now I got to sell them, I can only sell them for 40 that's a problem. And that's what happened to the Dukes. I do this TV, uh, well, movie, and math lesson to explain to you what's happening with the the Reddit stock boys. That's essentially what they're doing. That's essentially what they're doing. But they don't even have a stock uh, report. They just did it for fun. (laughs) Which I thought was funny. So you take a stock like GameStop, which is pretty cheap, or was pretty cheap. What you do, you drive up the price. You drive up the price by buying a bunch of shares. You buy, 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 buy. And you drive up the price. If you do it in a consolidated area or a consolidated unit, you get all these people to buy, buy, buy. So now they're buying it, you know, maybe it was a $20 stock. And now they're buying it at 25 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60, right? Now the stock's up to $250, $400. But they bought it a whole bunch at 75 
then they sell it back. Because now people say, man, the stock is going crazy. It's going crazy. I need to get in. I got to buy, 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 buy. Well, then they can sell theirs at 250 while the stock's going to 400 That's key. I know when to get out. That's where cornering the market. It doesn't seem to be legal. It's just, just what they did. But rich people don't like that. Because <laughs> that's a poor people way of, of, of manipulating the stock market. So they try to stop everything. These guys are just smart. So if you was a kid, if somebody got you, you know, a thousand shares of of GameStop stock, just, you know, to be nice, got you a hundred shares or whatever it may be. I saw some kid, he got it for Christmas or something, some stock. He's probably like, why am I getting stock for Christmas instead of, you know, sneakers, video games? Hey, about a hundred dollars in stock when you cashed it out, they like six, seven thousand dollars. Not bad for a 10-year-old. The lesson here is that rich people always want to keep poor people down. And when poor people figure out a way to manipulate things in their favor, which is something that rich people have been doing you know, pretty much for their entire lives, their entire family history, they try to shut it down. It is, this is bigger than stocks, is what I'm trying to tell you. This is about trying to make sure poor people never figure out a way to, hey, wait a minute. This is how you guys been cheating all these years. I'm, at the end of Trading Places, they say, why they asked Winthorpe, the white guy that they messed around with, his, you know, with and for their experiment. Like, why did you do this? Saying, well, I figured the best way to hurt rich people is to make them poor. <laughs> hey, no lies detected. I gotta be honest, uh, some of these movies that have come out uh, during the, the pandemic, not great, and not not great. Uh, Wonder Woman, uh, nineteen eighty four, terrible. That was trash. I I hate. To, hey, look, I I want them to be good, but that that was that was that was a terrible movie. You know, Tenet, I give credit for Christopher Nolan for trying to do something. A little different, not just your same cookie cutter, uh, blockbuster. You know, he's trying to do all the reverse and time travel and stuff. I I give him credit for trying. It wasn't a terrible movie, you know. I'm not watching it 19 times to look for all of the Easter eggs. That's what YouTube is for. Not bad, but it's like it, it, it was an inception. I mean, good try, good effort. And then it was the movie I watched last night, The Little Thing thought this was a slam dunk no-brainer. You got Denzel Washington, Mr. Robot, or the guy that won an Academy Award for being in the uh, Queen movie. Jared Leto, the Joker. That is no-brainer. This is a lock. This is a lock. Almost like Duke going to the NCAA tournament. Ah! <laughs> well, not quite a lock. Wasn't good. It's been a long time since I said a movie with Denzel Washington wasn't good. It was like they knew they had Denzel Washington, so they're like, oh man, you know, Denzel Washington cop movie can't beat that. So, you know, you gotta have a plot, you gotta have good writing, you gotta have a good script. You know, good actors can only do so much with what's given to them. I mean, Denzel is trying, Mr. Robot's trying. 
the Joker, he, he's trying. He's probably the best part of the movie. But man, it, it's it's not great. You know, no spoilers. It's not great. Uh, and even when you get to the twist, like, because, you know, it has to be a twist these days. Even when you get to the twist at the end, you just kind of like, uh, I don't think this is supposed to make me feel, you know, like I should care about these people. <laughs> Anything, they may be the villains. Yeah, I know, Marcus. Not good. Not good. Just just warn you. Uh, might want to stick to some of the series. The you know, WandaVision. Uh, what was the other one I watched? The uh, the Flight Attendant. Some of the, the series seem to be a little bit better uh, than some of these big blockbuster movies. I don't know what the next one is, but it's coming to America sequel. I'm already tempering my expectations uh, on that one. Not that Eddie Murphy needs to check, but he might just be like, yeah, yeah, I'd do it. How much money? Okay. All right. No problem. I'll take it. I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but yeah, I wouldn't get my hopes up. I appreciate you listening. Please follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, and YouTube, B-S-O-T-V. Big shout out to ABF Creative for having put this podcast together. I'm out.